0: In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Psalms, chapter 78, verses 70 to 72. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with a skillful hand. Yesterday... A brother asked me about the sermon today, and he tried to guess, because it's Feb, it might be love. I said, no, but next week, perhaps, because the discussions on the presidential elections is heating up, and I have received feedback to give guidance or at least to begin giving guidance on what the Bible says or what we can find in Scripture, some of which we know by heart, yet it's still different if we find Scripture affirming some things we believe or changing other things that we believe. Today I'd like to discuss, based on Psalm 78, verses 70 to 72, qualities of excellent leaders, and we will focus on only three. There are many, of course, but this three is already loaded. Psalm 78, this psalm stated the many times that God blessed Israel. However, it also declared the many times that Israel provoked God such was the pattern of the psalm, and such was the pattern of Israel's history. At the end of the psalm, the psalm concluded with God choosing a leader with integrity of heart and skillfulness of hands. Integrity of heart and skillfulness of hands. Such are the qualities needed to shepherd Israel from straying away from God's commands now in our democratic context we must learn integrity and skillfulness in leadership especially those who aspire for public office moreover as citizens we should choose leaders with such quality or qualities integrity of heart and skillfulness of hands. We will elaborate on these things. But even before these two qualities, there's something. There's one thing that man does not control, and that is the choice of God. And that element is present. It's present in Scripture. And the Old Testament heroes believe that God is sovereign over every leader. Even the leader that, that provoked Israel, that conquered Israel, like Nebuchadnezzar. Some believed, many believe actually, that he was God's instrument to discipline Israel. First point of this text I'd like to raise is God chose David. God chose David. God chose David, his servant, from where? From the sheepfolds to shepherding the nation. From taking care of sheep to taking care of a nation. A few things should be noted. God chose. Remember, God chose not David. Number two, David served God and David protected the sheep. He would then have to protect a nation. Let's read verses 70 and 71. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him, God brought David, to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. From here to there, from A to B, God chose, and we know that taking care of sheep was not necessarily a pleasant job. It's both boring and dangerous. Well, you get bored because you're just watching them. You lead them to a pasture, you watch them, you watch out who's sick, you take care of the sick, but most of the time, It's boring. It becomes dangerous if you see a wolf or a lion trying to eat one of the sheep. Now you have to defend the sheep. You have to fight. That becomes dangerous. But you know, there's something about these jobs that seem to be menial, but there's a lot of advantage in it. Perhaps David was so bored that he learned to practice a musical instrument. He had the time while taking care of his father's sheep. And perhaps he got so bored he tried to practice his sling, the very skill that brought down Goliath. Perhaps he tried hitting a tree until he became so accurate as hitting a leaf. There's something that God does when he prepares us. We just have to trust that where we are, God can use, and He may be sharpening us if we have the right attitude towards the situation, instead of complaining. David knew how to take care of sheep. Taking care of sheep needs heart, because if you don't have heart when you see the wolf, you will run away. You will run away, save your life. but. If you have heart for the sheep, you go in front of the sheep and fight the wolf, or scare the wolf away. That is what a shepherd, a good shepherd, would do. But a shepherd who is just a hireling, what's a hireling? They're just in it to be paid. They have no heart. They will not protect the sheep, nor take care of the sheep. So David during that time, developed a lot of heart, I believe God taught him, because the sheep was his father's. And because it is his father's, he also, the whole family benefits from it, including his brothers who are soldiers. Everybody is relying on him to take care of, of the sheep because it will bring income and food to the family. Now, he nourished them, the sheep, and protected them. Now, David would bring the same concern, the same heart, to the nation, the same heart to the nation, which he nourished and protected. Yet again, let's not forget, God prepared him. He was not chosen because he's a great guy. He was not chosen because He's such a quick learner. He was chosen just because it was God's will. We don't know the other reasons why. God's ways are higher than our ways. Isaiah 55 says that. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We can only discuss and learn what is revealed to us. We know that God chose David, yet at the same time we know that David developed these qualities. So God chose David. That is the divine part. What do we see on the human part? David had a heart, real concern, real care for the sheep. Now, if you translate that to leading a nation, you need leaders who truly are concerned with the people, truly concerned with the development of the people. There are times I have a discussion with some local officials and we discuss their plan or they ask my help to think of a plan. And uh, at times I'm surprised that none of them, well, I'm not saying none, a lot of them that I have encountered, and they're not necessarily many, but enough to surmise a certain uh, unqualified conclusion, but the clues are there. So when I ask, how do you improve the buying power of the people? This is simple economics. How do you improve, what's the plan to improve the buying power of the people? Because you think about giving to the people, that's great. But giving to the people is temporary. What will you do to improve the buying power? Not only the poor, but the middle class as well. Remember, our economic, our society has the top 1%. When you say GDP in the Philippines, it goes to the top few percentile of the nation. The middle class here and the upper class has a huge barrier, has a huge gap. So just the question is, how do you improve that? And not many have that clue. But if Somebody has a true concern about that, not just giving when there's an emergency, but really thinking through it. Because many have done it around the world, there's enough case studies to study. But no, that is seldom uh, discussed. But what leads you to that level? It begins with concern. If you're truly concerned and you're limited in knowledge, because everybody is limited in knowledge, No matter how learned you are, the true concerned individual will still try to find ways and learn from others, others that might be better than him in this particular field. They must consult. A true concern and care will make a people search for answers. How do I improve the buying power of the people consistently, which means opportunities locally and also internationally, of course. And I think Naga has done that with some of its schools here, channeling their graduates internationally, but that's just one way. Why not the other ways? Why not the local economy to truly improve instead of just relying on what? On big business to come here and providing work. That's also fantastic, but are there other ways? There are many ways. God chose David, that he is sovereign. But one human clue we find, I'm not saying this is the reason that God chose David. I'm not saying that. It's more likely that God taught him, gave him the heart to be concerned for the people. So God chose David, God is sovereign. Number two, leadership and integrity. Now David shepherded Israel according to the integrity of the heart. Although David failed several times, we know that he failed. In, in which times did he fail? Adultery and murder. Of course, the murder was not direct. He set it up so that he can own Bathsheba. And uh, he was convicted. God sent a prophet to rebuke him. And instead of getting angry at the prophet, He repented of his sin. He turned back to God every time. And this was not the only time he had to humble himself. There were other times which we will not discuss today. Now, David's psalms reveal his intense desire for God's law. And we'll find that in in the different songs he made, the different poetries, poems he made. But this psalm is a psalm of Asaph talking about David about the history of Israel this is not David's psalm now let's look at verse 72 the esv version says the upright with upright heart he shepherded them and uh, the word upright in hebrew also means integrity with the integrity of his heart and which also means the completeness of his heart it means he uh, the word integrity comes from In integer, means a whole number, not a fraction. So when you say integrity, a wholeness. So with a whole heart, he shepherded Israel. Not with a half heart. It's complete. It's not, well, my family has to get rich also. No, no, it's a whole heart, not a fraction. Wholeheartedly, he served. Of course, because as well, he had a whole heart. He had a whole heart to God, towards God. An integrity of heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. We're just focusing on the top part. (coughs) David followed God's commands, and we know with a whole heart. He was not perfect. Nobody is except the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody is, but he had a whole heart. So there are people who believe in Christ but, and have a whole heart. I believe that is a true believer who has faith in Christ with a whole heart, not just by being emotional, but whole in terms of mind, emotion, commitment. And there are those, the fake believers, who come to the Lord with a half heart or a three-fourth, 70% heart, 80%. That's not integrity of heart because it's not complete. It's a fraction Integrity is the wholeness. There's no turning back. Either we follow him or not. Either we follow ourselves or him. It's not I follow him, but sometimes I follow what I like, even if it is against the word of God. But because I like this, I'll do this. That's not wholeness of heart. Now David followed God's commands, but not only that. He enjoined others. You'll see it in his songs. He wanted to involve others in worshiping God and in following God. Now, when and if the people learn to love God's law, if people learn to love God's law as a nation, their nation, the nation can expect the blessing of order and peace, or peace and order. And during the time of David, Israel became strong. It was the beginning of the Golden Age of Israel. The second part was Solomon's rule. But during David's rule, it was a time of war, so God needed somebody who knew war to defend Israel. And by defending Israel, there was peace within the land. Although there was no peace outside because of the continuous war, Yet within, he was able to bring peace. Why? The lambs don't have to be worried because he was fighting the wolf and the lion. The people didn't have to be worried because they know David was fighting the war. And they trusted God, and they trusted David. It is so important that a leader has this completeness of heart, first in serving God, but also serving the people. Now, it's not that easy to find leaders like that in the political arena, because it's hard to know them. If we were just a very small town, like in some towns in other countries, it's just 300 people, then they choose a mayor. I mean, you can really know these people. You know who has integrity and who has not. But in a society like ours that keeps, just keeps growing, 110 million Filipinos, uh, we don't personally know these candidates except for a few maybe, if, of course, one lives here. We, some of us know her personally. But most of them, we do not. Yet, we should pray guidance from the Lord based on clues, based on news. Yet we must be discerning of these news because not all of these news are true. Some try to change the truth. Some try to insinuate something which is just to destroy a person's character. And there's something that a person has done but would not admit it and is trying to change the narrative. We must be discerning of everything. So, now look at everybody we will vote for, and I I really struggle in this, especially when now you have to vote for counselors, which you do not know many of them. Um, It's really challenging. So, we really have to pray, or somehow, maybe someday, somebody would create a solution where we could get to know them better. In maybe through technology or something else, but what we need is somebody with the integrity of the heart, a completeness of heart in serving. Now that applies to the church as well, because we need leaders who are in their hearts completely serving God and his people. And everything that they do will end up in building what? The body of Christ specifically the church community and of course blessing the other church communities as well. Number two, leadership and skills. Leading a nation requires integrity, however, integrity is not enough. A leader needs knowledge and skill to apply the knowledge. Scripture states that David shepherded Israel with skillful hands." Now, why did I inclu- include knowledge here when the verse, let's look at the verse, and he said, "...and guided them with his skillful hand." Now, this is a figure of speech. We know that it's not literal. It is a metaphor. So, how do you lead, literally lead the nation with a hand? So, it means that he had skills. But where does skill come from? It comes from knowledge and experience. You may have knowledge, but you don't have the skill yet unless you put it to practice. So that's why I included knowledge here, because you can never have skills without the knowledge. Either the the knowledge you learned from school, or you learned by reading, or you learned by observing. You're observing somebody cook, how to cook this uh, this dish that is so complex, uh, with many flavors. Now, you can read a recipe or you can observe somebody and take notes in your mind or in paper. So that's the knowledge. Now the skill part is when you're actually doing it. And when you're doing it, you will learn. And then sometimes you will fail, but you keep doing it. Now where did his skill come from? Oh, God raised David during a time of war, and he learned to fight while protecting his father's sheep. So that's one part, by protecting the sh- father's sheep. God used David's skill with a sling to bring down Goliath. Then, But it didn't stop there. He learned leadership in many other ways. Some of us just only think of the sheepfold to Goliath. Well, definitely he learned the sling to beat the lion and the bear and the wolves. He learned the sling. But what about, is that all you need to lead a nation? No, under Saul, Saul was, gave him a command, and he asked for a thousand Philistine soldiers. And he succeeded in that smaller task. Well, bigger task, not the task of leading a nation, but he succeeded in it and he went to several battles. It got bigger and bigger, and his fame grew. He was growing in experience. But then we know that Saul was possessed by an evil spirit, and he wanted to kill David. And David hid. But there were people who looked for David in the cave of Adullam. If you don't know the story, it's an interesting story. Those who came to David were those who were distressed, in debt, in debt, distressed, in debt, and discontented. So he was leading a group. So I said, I mean, this guy's leadership skills would develop. Imagine leading a group of discontented people. They always complain. They're distressed, they're in trouble, and they have debt. And I say, anybody who can lead difficult people has my respect. And I said, Lord, if ever you give me difficult people, teach me. Give me this leadership skill. So it became 400 people. Then from 400, there was a time he was made not yet king of Israel, king of Hebron. It's a small kingdom. He had this mini kingdom. Although God, and uh, Samuel, anointed him when he was very young, that one day he'll be king of Israel. But in leading a smaller, that it, it kept growing bigger until he was able to lead. There was even a time, there was a crisis, where their camp was invaded, and their wives and children were kidnapped. And his very own men wanted to kill him for being negligent about it. So he grieved, as all the men grieved, but he grieved for a short time. It says there he grieved, but then then immediately he picked himself up, talked to the priest, talked to the others, and said, Today we'll take them back. There are times nobody comforted him. It was just himself. Sometimes we always need somebody to comfort us, but if we want to lead, there are times nobody will be there. We must endure. We must endure. We must pick ourselves up and then form a plan to lead the people. He was prepared. God prepared him with different skills before he became king of Israel. And through those times, he developed friendship with men and he knew the skills of men, so he knew who he would appoint once he became king. It means he surrounded himself, well, these discontent men, some of them may probably be very intelligent in war and very skillful in war, but some of them may also be skillful in managing a nation by leading a small place, Hebron the others developed with him as well, and I think that's what a leader does. He finds ways for, around, for the people around him to grow, to develop, to learn, because one day they will all become stronger. And we hope for leaders like that, who would develop many in the nation, so that the nation will truly benefit. One of the things that can bless a nation is people with integrity, and with knowledge and skills. We ha- if we have those, more of those, thousands of those in the Philippines, that will be a big thing. But if we neglect that, if we neglect that, what do we have? Nothing. I was. While I'm watching this this series about Chinese history and how this the very well during the Seven Warring States period, how one state from a very poor state become became a very powerful state and actually united China. It showed there that the new duke before he was king, they were he was called a duke. Well, that's the English person, version, Duke. The first step was to invite talents. And we may, when we say talent, we, d- we don't mean dancing talents. We mean intelligent people who can help develop the nation. He looked for people who are experts in agriculture. He looked for people who are experts in war. He looked for people expert in governance and law. But that was not enough. He empowered these people and used his authority to back them up, not just hiring somebody and it's up to you. Again, the need for those with skillfulness in our church, what do we do? We encourage you to learn more, to study more. We encourage you to sharpen yourselves and not waste your time. We encourage you to make that sacrifice of learning and experiencing, of trying and even failing, but keep trying. Why? We believe the kingdom of God will benefit. And we believe the nation will benefit. Let's go to the application. Number one, do not forget his sovereign will. So how is that connected to us, the will of God and us? We have to pray as the Lord Jesus instructed us. What did the Lord instruct us with? He said, Pray this way, Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Moreover, let us believe that God is sovereign over all nations. He lifts one ruler and puts down another. We wrestle in prayer, yet we can sleep well knowing His will unfolds, knowing that He is in control. We work, we pray, we try our best to educate others that we need leaders who, are, who care, who are truly concerned, yet we can sleep at night, knowing whatever happens, even if there's trouble and turmoil, we trust in the will of God. I believe in the saying, we get the leaders we deserve. So if we don't pray for good leaders, we will get the leaders we deserve. And if we don't help in educating the people, educate them what? Don't educate them, just say who to vote. For those of you who are apolitical or very neutral in every election, you're not pro-admin or opposition. You're in the best position to teach others how to vote. I'm giving you right now some criteria. Not just because friends told me to vote that, therefore I will vote. Not because they're cute. But we have to look at is there integrity? Is there righteousness? Is there uprightness? We pray thy will be done. Yet we work. Let us pray that the good Lord give us leaders who are genuinely concerned with developing the nation. Not just, of course, by developing the nation. We mean developing the provinces and cities and towns. That's what we mean. On On another note, let us contribute to the development of the nation through God's grace. How can you contribute? Many ways, from small to big ways. I think Brother Eddie mentioned earlier this morning, simply throwing garbage in its right place. That's one small step. You want a clean town, a city, don't participate in throwing your candy wrapper anywhere or your plastic cups outside the vehicle. It's simply Why is cleanliness important? There was a study made that clean areas somehow progress faster. I'm not kidding you. That's why when we look at a town or a city, you look at the cleanliness of the city as well. Because somehow it will be connected. There is some correlation between the two or some connection between the two. No, that's why if our home is not clean, our minds are not clean as well. I mean, when I say not clean, I don't mean... I mean disorderly. How can we contribute? Developing your own skill and talent that you may contribute. Take seriously what they're teaching you. Discover. Number two, well, teach others how to vote. That's an important thing as well. Number two, application, integrity to lead. We must learn to lead. That's our application, we. And to do so, we must learn integrity of heart, a completeness. If you want to serve, put your heart into it. You want to serve the Lord, put your heart into it. You want to proclaim the gospel, or disciple others, put your heart, your whole heart into it. You want to learn, you want to grow up in the Lord, put your whole heart into it. Not a half-heart, a whole heart into it. Now, translate that to our democratic society, where we are given the right to choose our leaders. Let us choose the ones with integrity, or at least those closest to it, because we don't know them personally we have to observe and find those closest to it who really has a whole heart in developing the nation our hearts must be for the lord completely going back to us and through faith we obey him wholeheartedly now integrity also means your yes is yes your no is no if you said if you say i'll do this you do it You'd rather say yes or no. But if you give them the maybe, unclear, that's being indecisive. It's dilly-dallying. It's more of, take the time, weigh everything. We discussed planning, and some of of it was about decision-making. But let your yes be yes and no be no. Sometimes, because we want to avoid the discomfort, we say, yes, I'm going to your invitation, but in your heart, you really wanted to say no. You know, go through the discomfort so that it's gone, because you will create more damage. Can you imagine saying yes, and then this person takes the effort to prepare for more people coming, and spend more money because they think you're coming, but that you don't, so you disappoint their heart more, and you made them lose money. So go through the discomfort of saying, I cannot. Now, if he's truly your friend, make up to it. I'll make it up to you. That's how to balance it. I'll make it up to you another time. Let's go out together. There are different ways, but to... And another thing that I personally dislike, a people with no integrity is you're, you send a message and they just don't answer. There, there was one person who keeps bugging me from another church, not our church. He keeps bugging me, bugging me. I told this story here before. Saturday night, 9 a.m., I'm all alone. I'm praying. And then a call. I put it on silent. Text message, seven, eleven times, twenty times, the call. And I thought, this might be an emergency, even though it's not from our church. My conviction is my priority is where I serve, not other churches. I can help other churches, but that's not my priority. So I answered the call and said, let's call him James. He's not real name is not James. James, why are you calling 20 times? What's wrong? Yeah, I need, I, I need to consult you with something. Which is better, smart or globe? I said, James, it's Saturday night. I preach tomorrow. I have to be both relaxed, with a clear mind, Tomorrow, I'm going to preach. Don't call me about these things." Then he would keep bugging me and bugging, but, but I have been trying to direct, and he just can't get it. So I went to Manila and met him. This is from Ortigas, Chinese guy. I don't want to hear from you anymore. You're abusing it. Then he still couldn't get it. You know, I'm still glad we met each other. Well, I'm not glad I saw you because you're not helping me with these things. You can consult your other friends here. If you are in a very difficult situation and your pastor here cannot solve it or help you, that's the time you call me. I didn't shut it down completely. But sometimes you'd rather be honest and direct, go through the discomfort. I'm not saying be tactless. We still have to be respectful when we say these things. The Integrity to lead. Your yes is yes, your no is no. And what you said you will do, well you do it. Well, a person who cannot keep his word cannot lead. A person who cannot keep his word in the small things cannot lead. It comes to the smallest of things. I'll meet you 11, and you know me, I'm there very early, so I, don't, I show my respect to the person I'm, I've set the time with. I try to be there as early as possible, sometimes 15 minutes before. And then 10 minutes before, they're going to call to cancel. Now, that's fine if it's just once in a long while. But no, that's a consistent thing with this person. So what do I feel about that? It's wasting my time. So I said, well, he has to come to me now if he wants to speak to me. I don't go somewhere to get out of the way. He comes to me. We lose trust on people who cannot keep their word. That's why be careful with the promises we make especially with family, especially with children. What we say and do is the same thing, especially with our spouse. You don't manipulate your spouse. You don't tell lies to make your spouse behave in a certain way. No, you are direct and honest and loving. If you do that, your integrity goes down and your trust level goes down. We should vote for candidates we believe who will be faithful, who will faithfully fulfill what the Constitution expects. If we do not have enough choices, let us choose the closest, the closest ones. Let's choose those with real skill and knowledge how to run a nation, but the closest to integrity, most of all. First is integrity. Now, just that one word, integrity, you already shortened the list. But that's not enough. You have to expand it. Next is skillful hands or skills to lead. To lead effectively, we must have the skills to lead, and the skills come from knowledge acquired from both study and experience. Thus, let us build skills. When choosing leaders, let us evaluate their skills and their knowledge. And some good people from media, not all, some give really petty questions, but those who really give presidential questions who allow them to explain carefully. And they can explain the why and the how and there must be details. Do you know that without the details it means somebody has not planned enough? Just broad strokes, some give motherhood statements. You know motherhood statements? We'll improve education, but you have if they say how, even where the money will come from, how is what we need. We'll improve universal health care. We need the how. And a how is both law and implementation. We may have the law, but how do we implement? And that's very challenging. It's not easy. It's not easy. So, At one point, we expect from leaders, at one point, we give the benefit of the doubt, because it's not easy leading and implementing. Let us choose leaders who understand, take note, if we're talking about the Philippines. Let me give a list, a short list. Leaders who understand the economy, they understand security, they understand peace and order, They understand agriculture, they understand business development, they understand community development, they understand information technology, they understand justice, diplomacy, and national defense. They have to understand all these things. And that's just a little. Not just understand the know-how, but how to improve these things. not simple. Bringing it down to the church, in the church we humbly pray for men of integrity who know God's Word and with a heart completely to God's Word and to the Lord who know how to shepherd, who know how to equip others, who know how to proclaim the gospel and disciple others. For the gospel must be proclaimed And those who believe must be nurtured, and the leaders in our church must learn to lead others to do it. Not just use themselves, but leading others. So I give you right now God's choice, yes, but we pray for men who are truly concerned with the nation. As David was concerned with the sheep, he was concerned with Israel and with the uprightness of his heart, or other translation says, integrity of his heart, he led Israel. And what else? He guided them with his skillful hand, because shepherding guides the sheep. But how do you guide a nation? You guide them as you communicate to them, but not just communicate to them, you must rally them with your example, as a model, An example. So I give you this poem called Choose Rightly. Like sheep without a good shepherd, when no good leader can be heard, one may expect uncertainty and the rise of absurdity. Thus, choose leaders who truly care, the ones who have something to share, Integrity and skillfulness, those proven in the wilderness. In our small way we must lead. The situations we must read and avoid every form of greed, capture it even from the seed. For if we do not guard the heart, the wickedness within will start, which will so infect the people and break the helpless and feeble. Instead, let God be our passion, pray intensely for our nation, and his will on the election to improve everyone's station. That's all right. May we treat our vote as sacred, Lord. Not something to be flippant about. It is not a toss of a coin. It is careful evaluation, prayerful evaluation, using the mind you gave us and at the same time discerning your spirit as we ask you, o Holy Spirit, to lead us. Yet we also pray for ourselves that in our small way, in whatever arena whether it's the private sector or the public. That we may lead well, that we may lead with a real concern for those we lead, for the organization we serve, with a real heart for it, and a complete heart to do so. And yet we pray as well, allow us to learn and be skillful to be wise, to be sharp in our minds, in our actions. And we pray as believers, make us good models in society. We struggle, Lord. We can only do this by your grace. And we rely on you alone because our good works can never be enough. We try and we fail, yet with your grace we can succeed. We can say, by God's grace, we have tried to live a life worthy to be followed. Even though we are unworthy, only by grace, only by grace, can we be examples. And give us the heart to rally people around this. And in our church as well, continue to give us more good leaders, Lord. Those who care for your church who are concerned for our spiritual growth and your glory to be established here. We pray for leaders who have integrity of heart, a completeness of heart, not half-hearted but with a whole heart, submitting to your word with a whole heart, submitting to you, worshiping you with a whole heart and teaching others with a whole heart. And we pray for the skills, the knowledge and understanding, interpreting your word, and the skills in teaching your word. That we may penetrate mind, heart, and soul with your Holy Spirit. Nothing is impossible. So guide us, O Lord. Guide us, O Holy Spirit. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of his Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Good morning.